Our salvation comes, listen, by our faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. It is based on what he did, not what we do. And as we give our hearts to him, we are saved by faith through grace. It's not of ourselves, not of works, lest any man should boast. Ephesians chapter 2, of course. Welcome to Under the Fig Tree. Under the Fig Tree is a verse-by-verse study taught by Pastor Jeff Figs of Calvary Chapel of Greeley. We are currently studying through the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians. Here's Pastor Jeff. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I'm going to read some of the texts that we're going to cover this morning, and then we'll begin to look at it very carefully. He does write, Paul the Apostle, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. And he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesy. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. So in chapter 12, when the Apostle Paul began this section of 1 Corinthians in dealing with uh, the gifts of the Spirit, he would say to them that I don't want you to be ignorant concerning spiritual gifts. So again, that's what we have been covering over the last couple weeks, dealing with the gifts of the Spirit. And as we end at chapter 12, it was Paul that would write that we are to earnestly desire the best gifts, but yet I show you a more excellent way. And so then Paul, in chapter 13, goes on to write about God's love. His perfect love, and of course, the Greek word for God's love is agape. It was a very beautiful chapter, a very wonderful chapter that we looked at last week. We know that John the Apostle, in his first epistle, chapter 4, he would write that God is love. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, what we saw is that we got this description of God's love for us, the, the way that he loves you personally. He is kind towards you. He's long-suffering with you, and he never gives up on you. Very refreshing portion of Scripture to look at, which we did again last Sunday. But remember that keep in mind that Paul brought up this whole description and this whole uh, characteristics of God's love, agape love, in the middle of the section concerning spiritual gifts. And so as he would explain about spiritual gifts there in chapter 12, we saw Paul explaining to us, that when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that we were baptized by the Spirit into the body of believers, the body of Christ. And so we individual members come together in unity to make up what is known, the body of Christ, to make up what is known as the church. And each member, individual member of the body of Christ, has been given what is referred to as spiritual gifts, that we may minister within the body of Christ, for the benefit and for the edification of the whole body of Christ. And again, we looked at this very carefully as we travel through chapter 12. Uh, and, and Paul telling us then that we are to desire the best gifts, but yet I show you a more excellent way. And in that, as we discussed last week, that we are being reminded that love is greater and superior to all the gifts. The gifts are important, 
But he says that love is the most important thing. And that includes being more important than the gifts of prophecy or tongues and knowledge. And we should not overemphasize the gifts of the Spirit at the expense of love. And so Paul, as he continues with this discussion on the gifts of the Spirit, he's now going to focus, as we move into chapter 14, on how prophecy and tongues, how they are to be used in the corporate gathering. That is, as we gather to this morning and, and believers coming together corporately, it's a very important chapter to look at very carefully because this is where, first of all, that there seems to be perhaps maybe a tendency today to ignore a chapter like this, or this is where there can be a lot of confusion in the church concerning these things. This whole area about tongues and the interpretation of tongues and prophesying in a corporate gathering of believers. So again, Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning these things. And what my prayer is that we come away with good understanding and clarification on the gifts of tongues and the interpretation of tongues and prophecy in the corporate meeting. So let's begin to look at this as I read to you. Pursue love there in verse 1. Desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. So Paul here sets the stage for the chapter. He says, pursue love. Desire spiritual gifts. And in that, Paul, of course, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, very, very brilliantly has declared once again the preeminence of love for the Christian. He says that we are to pursue love. That word in the Greek, in the original language, means to go for it, to go after it, go after it with intensity, with priority. When I was with the kids, the junior high kids at camp, on the last day of camp, on the, the side of the mountain there by the camp, there's what's known as Eagle Point. And I said, all right, kids, we've got to go up to Eagle Point. So you can come back and tell the high schoolers and the others that you've been up to Eagle Point because some of the high schoolers said, oh, that's too hard for the junior high group. But they did it. They, they made it a priority. They, they went after it. And boy, they trucked up that hill. And Pastor Jeff huffing and puffing after them make sure that they didn't fall off at Eagle Point, but they were safe, and they, they really made it a priority. They really went with intensity. We had a great time. And so afterwards, in the evening chapel, we talked about how your walk with the Lord, your race that is set before you, that there will be some easy parts and there's going to be some difficult parts. But it's important for you to love the Lord and, and for you guys to be loving one another. You see here, as Paul talks about love, what was happening to the Corinthian church is that they had made the manifestation of the gifts the priority, but they had very little love or regard for other believers. We have seen that they were a divided church. They were involved in sin. They were suing each other. They were not sharing their food at potlucks. They were sticking up their noses at each other. And so the church was really spiritually an absolute mess. And even though they were flowing in all of the gifts of the Spirit, they had missed it in that, that they were making the priority the spiritual gifts over loving one another and, and making it a priority, really desiring to love one another and to love the Lord. And so here is, as we follow the flow of 1 Corinthians, and that's what's so wonderful about doing a verse-by-verse study through a book. These letters didn't have chapters in it. You just kind of follow the flow as you go through it to get better understanding. Here Paul says, I just gave you a description of God's love. Now what you're to do is pursue it. And so he also says it's okay to desire spiritual gifts, 
But what you're to do is make priority and pursue love. And what can happen with us as believers is that we can take what is to be a godly desire and, and into an obsessive pursuit. When the one pursuit that you and I are to, to really make priority in our lives in the Christian life is to love. To love God and love one another. So once again, we see that the proper priority has been set as we open the chapter. Hey, pursue love. And even though there was an abuse of the, the manifestation of the spiritual gifts, don't just forget about them, but you are to desire them. And the answer for, for you guys there at Corinth and for us here at Calvary Chapel, for all believers, is not non-use, but it is proper use. And now Paul is going to instruct them and us how to use those gifts properly and orderly when it comes to the corporate gathering of believers that it might be done decently and so that edification within the church truly takes place and so he says you're to desire those spiritual gifts he says specifically that you may prophesy why well let's read on verse t two for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to god for no one understands him however in the spirit he speaks mysteries but he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. And verse 4, he, he who speaks in tongues edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Now, a couple things here right away that Paul clarifies. First of all, he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Did you get that? Matter of fact, if I was you, I'd underline that in your Bible. He who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. So when someone is speaking in an unknown tongue, they are addressing God, not men. And the disregard of this verse leads to what I believe one of the most significant misunderstandings regarding the gifts of tongues. So Paul makes it very clear that a true manifestation of tongues will not be addressed to men, but to God. Now this is important to remember, especially when we talk about the interpretation of tongues, because where believers oftentimes can make a mistake is when there is a tongue that is spoken that is manifested, and then someone interprets that, and they will interpret it in a way that goes like this, Thus saith the Lord, my little children, hearken unto my voice. Well, that is God speaking to man. That is not a proper interpretation of the manifestation of tongues. What that is is tongues followed by prophecy. You see, tongues, as far as I understand from the scriptures, are always, as Paul has declared here in verse 2, that he will be very consistent in, in saying this as we go through the chapter, is that it is man addressing God. So if someone interprets a manifestation of tongues, the gift of tongues will be man speaking to God, not God speaking to men. That is prophecy. So a proper interpretation will be a prayer, will be a praise, will be some other communication to God. And that is supported in Scripture in the book of Acts, for example, in Acts chapter 2, you know, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came upon the believers in that upper room and they began to speak in tongues, didn't they? And the crowd began to gather. And all the people who had gathered there in Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of Pentecost, and when they heard those Galileans speaking in other languages, languages that were unknown, or unlearned to those disciples, but recognized by the crowd. 
that crowd that come from all over the known world, that multinational crowd that, that heard them speak in their own native language. It says there in Acts chapter 2, verse 11, we hear them speaking in our own tongues, what? The wonderful works of God. That is, they were glorifying and praising God. Their tongue were addressed to God. They were not addressed to the crowd, to the people. They were not preached to in tongues. But what the people heard is they recognized their native language being spoken. They heard them praising God. And you see that consistency is there in the book of Acts. For example, in Acts chapter 10. When Peter was bringing the gospel to the Gentiles, to Cornelius, who was a Roman centurion, and to his family and others that were there. There is Peter in his house, Cornelius' house. And it tells us that while he was still preaching, that the Holy Spirit fell upon them. And Peter and, and his fellow Jews that were with him, traveling with him, they were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out on them, provided for those Gentiles. And, and there in chapter 10, verse 46, it tells us that they, that is Peter and those Jewish believers who were with them, heard them speak in tongues and magnify God. That is, they were praising God, glorifying God. So it's really important to remember that we're being told very clearly, very specifically, very, very, very pointedly, that he who speaks in a tongue speaks to God, not to men. It is not a message to the congregation. Paul says, verse 3, that he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. And that's why I believe that Paul is emphasizing especially desire to prophesy. Because you are edifying others. You are bringing that understanding to the church, speaking words of comfort and exhortation which means that prophecy, uh, not only is it directed towards men, the church, but it is positive in character. And what I mean by that is, is as it brings edification. What does edification mean? Well, it means to build up. It's a construction term, to build up in the Lord. It's not to rip apart. It's not to tear down. Exhortation means encouragement. It's like the, a speech that a coach would give in the locker room before a game, exhorting the players, rallying the team, hey, go and get them. And then comfort has the idea of not only consoling, but as that consoling is taking place, it is strengthening. So that prophecy spoken will be a word that will strengthen you, not weaken you. It will be a word that will build you up, not tear you apart or tear you down. So a word of prophecy will be positive in a sense that it will align with the word of God. It will align with the heart and nature of God. So if someone claims to have a word from the Lord to me or to the church and they say, thus saith the Lord, you brood of vipers and I'm going to shift you like wheat and I'm going to destroy you and there's fire and brimstone that's coming to you. Well, that isn't God's heart towards his people, is it? Now prophecy can be corrective. Certainly it can. It can also bring on rebuke but it will be positive in where it will be following the heart of god towards us the mind of god towards us he may say through prophecy you know hearken to my voice and turn to me and, and i love you and turn from your sins follow after me repent and, and that is building up that's encouraging and comforting because we can turn to god and we can receive forgiveness and restoration in his love 
But if it's in the tone of something like, I'm furious with you, God's saying I'm mad at you and can't stand to look at you attitude that people have come to me with. Last few months, last, about the last year, I, I get a letter about every two months from someone who I, I've never met, never been here as far as I know or as far as I'm concerned, and he sends me a letter. It's about 15 pages long. And I suspect that he also sends it to other pastors and churches, perhaps. I don't know. And he says that I've been up at night and I have this word of the Lord to give to you. And he writes all this judgment and wrath and it just rattles on and on and how corrupt the church is and you better do something about it or judgment's coming to you and damnation was coming. And I reject it as a word from the Lord. I think it's just someone who's mad at the church or at the churches for some reason. I don't know what his trip is. But he who speaks prophecy speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, as Paul says in verse 4. It is the only gift of the Spirit where it edifies the individual believer. But he who prophesies edifies the church, as we continue verse 5. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. So by Paul contrasting these two gifts, we see how important it is to the Lord that when we gather together that his people have understanding. Have understanding what is going on and what is being said. His desire is that when we come together to be built up and edified, there's a priority on prophecy so that people can hear. And that can take place in the corporate body, that there is understanding. But I also want to remind you that because of the tone of this chapter, it's easy to think that Paul was very negative on tongues. And we're going to see as we keep a biblical perspective on what is being said here, that he's going to be positive about tongues, and we will say that, see that. So he says, I wish that you all spoke in tongues. We will see that Paul valued the gift of tongues, I believe, in his own life. He desired the believers to speak in tongues, addressing God, the, the praise, the glory, the beauty, as my spirit worships him beyond my ability to understand. So Paul wanted the Christians to, to have this blessing. Now, in that, couple things. They hear Paul, he says, that, you know, that he wished that, that he who speaks in tongues, that he prayed that there be interpreted, that the church may receive edification. We do know that tongues edifies the individual. And so that individual may not understand what he's saying, but it, there's edification to his spirit as he's just praying and worshiping in the spirit. But when that interpretation happens, there is some edification that happens to the church. It's like we read a psalm this morning, didn't we? And as I read that to you, that praise of God, the glory of God, giving thanks to God, it edifies us, it builds us up. And so that's what takes place when there's an interpretation. Secondly, I believe that these verses that we just covered, particularly in verse 5, shows us once again the fallacy of those who come along and say, unless you speak in tongues, you're not really saved or you don't have the Holy Spirit. And I want you to be clear on this because it was kind of a doctrine that was really heavy in the church years ago, but you still have those in circles who say that you're not saved unless you speak in tongues. And of course, in chapter 12, we saw that Paul said, do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? The answer is no. 
And he would say that the Holy Spirit gives those gifts that he wills to those, you know, according to God's will. So not everybody's going to have the gift of tongues. And so if anybody ever comes along and says, unless you do this, unless you're speaking in tongues or you get baptized or, or whatever it is that you do to be saved, they are on shaky ground. It's not the gospel. Because our salvation comes, listen, by our faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. It is based on what he did, not what we do. And as we give our hearts to him, we are saved by faith through grace. It's not of ourselves, not of works, lest any man should boast. Ephesians chapter 2, of course. That if anyone comes along and says, unless you do this, or that's manifested in your life, or whatever it might be, you're not really saved. The one thing that saves us, so you, you understand the simplicity of the gospel, and that is my faith and trust, believing in what Jesus Christ has done for me, and dying for my sins, and I believe he rose from the grave. And that's what brings salvation to you and to me. Now that we are saved, we have the gifts of the Spirit manifesting in our life and being worked out in our lives. Now that I am saved, yes, I, I know that baptism is important, but you see, we need to keep a proper perspective on things. And so you can show people these verses as they come along and say, well, I learned that if I don't speak in tongues that I'm not saved. And, and so they were discouraged or deceived in that. Show them these verses and clear it up for them. And Paul continues here, but now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, or prophesying, or by teaching? So in other words, when I come to you today to speak to you this morning, I am speaking to you with understanding. That is, you understand what it is that I am saying. If I stood up here and spoke to you in an unknown tongue, it would be frustrating for you. But as I speak to you the word of God, as we are learning it, as we are growing in our relationship and walk with God, if I was to, to speak in, in, in tongues, it would not edify you. You would not be growing it would be meaningless sounds. Some of us perhaps have been in the mission field. When I've been in the mission field, like in Thailand or in Africa, when there's a meeting and the believers get together, when the pastor begins to talk in, in that native language, it's frustrating for me not to be able to understand him. So you have to have an interpreter. So Paul says in, in the ministry, he spoke so that all could profit, verse 7, even things without life, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will it be known what is piped or played? For if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? So likewise you, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air." So if I go over to, to Linda's keyboard over here and I begin to play for you, it would be meaningless to you. It would just be meaningless sounds. Now, when Linda gets up to play it, it's a tremendous blessing to us, isn't it? And Paul here says that, that you can blow a trumpet and, and it has to make a certain sound as they prepare for war that trumpet used in the military gathering of the troops. And so, likewise, if I get up here in a public meeting of believers and speak in tongues to you, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't edify you. You don't know how to respond to it unless I speak in words that you can understand as I bring simple truths to you. Otherwise, it's just like speaking into the air. 
And so verse 10, there are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world and none of them is without significance. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Again, this is what you experience perhaps when you go to another country and they don't, you don't speak the language there. You don't understand what's being said. Verse 12, even so, you sense you are zealous for spiritual gifts. Let it be for the edification of the church that you may seek to excel. So Paul again reminds them again that uh, the purpose of the gifts is for the building up of the body of Christ. Therefore, verse 13, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. So Paul here suggests that the tongue speaker pray that there be an interpretation to bring edification to the whole church. And then Paul says, if I pray in tongues, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. That is, I'm communicating to God and, and, and on a spiritual level by bypassing your own understanding, but it is unfruitful. It is edification to my spirit. It frees me up, but you don't understand simply what he's saying. Thank you for joining us on Under the Fig Tree. If you would like a copy of today's study, please call us and ask for the message with today's date. Our phone number is 970-330-1717. That number again, 970-330-1717. If you prefer, you can write us at 2602 West 27th Street, Greeley, Colorado, 80634. You can also visit us online at ccgreeley.com. Under the Fig Tree is brought to you by Calvary Chapel of Greeley. We invite you to join with us for our Sunday morning services at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. and our Wednesday evening service at 7 p.m. Please join with us next time as we continue to study the Bible together on Under the Fig Tree.